0: Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. We're going to continue with this series called Kingdom Identity, right? Kingdom Identity. And I want to come to you today um, and, and speak to you with the title of Where Am I? Tell your neighbor, where am I? Where am I? So, you know, we've been talking about how... The devil, his, his MO has always been to, to rob us of our rightful place, of our, our rightful I, I identity, right? And, and the reason that he does that is because he understands that if he can steal our identity, then he can steal our our authority. And and one of the things or, or, or the strategies that, that he uses to strip us of our identity is he'll often attack the root of identity, and the root of identity— is purpose. It is purpose. So if you did not know that God is a God of purpose, everything God has designed, everything that God has created, He does it with in- intentionality and He does it with there is nothing that exists in this world that does not serve a purpose even those those pesky mosquitoes right that 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 bother us at our picnics and our, our cookouts and our barbecues every bug even cockroaches serve a purpose I'm still trying to figure that one out right but but just understanding the way that God is that God does not create anything without with without purpose Purpose. Before he created you, he created you with a a purpose in mind. And and because there is a purpose, that means that you are created to solve a problem. Right? And and so we we see this even in in the life of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1.5. It says, the, the Lord gave me this message. And this is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nation. So what he's telling them, before you were even conceived, I had already thought of your purpose. I had already thought of what this world needed. And based on what this world needed is, is, is why I, I created you. And so the, the root of identity is purpose. So I, I'll often, you'll often hear me say that your purpose will determine your mission your mission will determine your mantle, and your mantle will determine your identity, and your identity will determine your authority. So your purpose determines your mission, your mission determines your mantle, your mantle determines your identity, and your identity will determine your authority. When you go to Luke chapter 5, and and you see Jesus walk up to the Sea of Galilee uh, on, on, for the first time that day, and, and, and he, he confronts Peter, James, and John, right away they call him a rabbi. By. And the reason they did that is because the in, in that day and in that culture, you are identified by your mantle. The Pharisees would wear one type of mantle. The Sadducees had a different type of mantle. The Levites had a different type of mantle. And the rabbis had a different type of mantle. So depending on who you were and, 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 and your purpose and your calling was the mantle that you would, you would carry. And that's why I say your mantle determines your identity. So if we look at within today's vernacular, when we talk about mantle, Mantle, we are talking about, about function, right? We're talking about function. So purpose is potential, mission is your calling, and mantle is your function. So what we can see is that everything will flow out and flow from, from purpose. Everything will flow out and flow from purpose, purpose, mission, mantle, identity, and authority. So the enemy knows that if he can attack your root, if he can attack the seed of your identity, then he can rob you of your your authority, right? And, and, And I've come to understand because this is something that the enemy has always done. Whatever he's afraid to confront or face, In in maturity, he will try to destroy in its infancy. In other words, he will always try to get you before you even get started that's why some of you went through some of the things that you did growing up. That's why some of you were abused. That's why some of you were neglected. That's why some of you, why? Because the enemy will always try to destroy your identity by uprooting your purpose. And if he can get you at your purpose, we see that with Moses. Moses was born to be the great deliverer, right? And before when Moses was just born, the enemy tried to destroy all. He he knew there was a deliverer coming, but he didn't know who it was. And so what did he, he tried to do. He tried, to, he tried to, to kill and murder all of the boys that were two years and under. We see that in Jesus. He did the same thing when Jesus was born. The enemy through, through Herod tried to destroy all of the baby Jewish boys from the time they were two years old and, and under. So whatever the enemy is afraid to face in maturity, he will always try to destroy in its infancy. He always wants to get you before you even get started. Why? Because he understands that everything flows from from, from purpose. And, and, and see, there's something about God that, that God is not cruel. When God gives you purpose, he always gives you potential. God gives you everything that you need to be able to fulfill your purpose. Uh, uh, imagine for a moment, he, he created the apple tree. And within the apple tree, it has everything it needs to do what? to produce apples it, it can help it when you take that apple seed and you plant it in the right environment in the right ground in the right soil and it's cultivated in water that apple tree has no other alternative but to produce apples it, it, it has to it just it, it can't stop itself from doing it and so when God creates whatever he creates within that embedded and imbued within its construction Is everything that it needs to be able to walk out and fulfill that purpose so god gives you purpose and with that purpose he gives you the the, the potential your personality is part of your your purpose and, and and what gives your purpose power it's found in your potential the power of your purpose is found in your potential so what the enemy does he will always try to uproot you and destroy you before you can fulfill your purpose and live out your maximum potential so When God gives purpose, he gives you potential. Potential. He gives you whatever you need to accomplish his God-ordained purpose for your life. Your character, your giftings, your graces, your personality. If you're an introvert, it's because within the context of your purpose, you need to be an introvert. If you're an extrovert, it's because that's how God is going to use you. Now, Now, let me just put this caveat. Some of you are introverted not because that's the way that God created you. It's because what happened to you. And I've encountered people, they say, well, Pastor, that's just the way that I am. No, that's not how God created you. But whatever you went through and whatever they did to you, they put something out in you that God put in you. And so... I, I, I've seen it over and over that when, when people get delivered, when people begin to walk with God and God begins to, to reshape them and restore them, all of a sudden they're doing things that they never thought they could do before. Why? Because now God is resetting them to do their original factory settings. He turned you on and off, right? Like you do with your iPhone when it won't work or your Android I, almost lost. I was like, what am I thinking? Like, no, he's talking about Android, not iPhone. Like, you have to do it with the PC, not a Mac you have to turn it off, right? And and so God, God, this is what God begins to do. And you think that that I'm changing. It's not that you're changing. God is is stripping all of those things away of those things that happened to you that pulled you out of your, your right context, that pulled you out of your right construction. So when God gives purpose, he gives potential. And he will give you everything you need to be able to walk out. Could you imagine how frustrating it would be for an apple tree that couldn't produce apples. I mean, think about it. It, it would be frustrating and, and God is not cruel. God will always give you everything you need so that you can walk out his plan and his purpose for your life. So one of the greatest strategies the enemy will use to neutralize the church is to attack the individual identities of the believer by trying to uproot the root of identity, trying to attack the root. He will relentlessly ridicule your past. He will relentlessly ridicule your mistakes, your failures, even your upbringing, your lack of resources, the lack of education, maybe the lack of preparation, the, the lack of connection. The God, the The enemy will do whatever he can to uproot that. See, the enemy knows no bounds. There's nothing off limits to him. He does not fight fair. And he will always attack you at the area of your greatest weakness, Or vulnerability. And here, and we're gonna get into the irony of that in just a moment. See, the enemy will try to discourage you. If he can't discourage you, then he'll try to discredit you. If he can't discredit you, then he will try to distract you. And if he can't distract you, he will do all of those things in, in conjunction, anything possible to keep you from fulfilling God's plan. And purpose for your life. And that's his, that's his mode. That, that's his pattern, discouragement, discreditation, and then distraction. And, and, and that's what he will use in order to try to pull you out. And so well, a perfect picture and a pattern of this is found in Judges chapter 11, verse one. And, and this is what I call the dueling perspective. Judges chapter 11, one, it says, now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. So this is the perfect picture of the dichotomy between how God sees us and how the world sees us. Think about that for a moment. Here here we see that God says that Jephthah was a great warrior, right? But then you get to the big butt, right? I don't know if you guys remember the message that I preached a few years ago called kick your butt out, right? And, uh, and, and so you get to that but, and, and the reality is that all of us have a but in our life. That area where the enemy will try to push and try to disqualify you, try to discredit you, try to discourage you. And can you imagine, here is this firstborn son. Gilead was a leader. Gilead was a chief. He was the son of Gilead. That's how God saw him, as a great warrior. But everyone else saw him as the son of a prostitute that dichotomy between how God sees us and how the world sees us, between our purpose and our past, between our potential and our problems. And and whether we like it or not, this is a constant inner battle. And if you tell me, no, pastor, that's not me, I will call you a big fat liar. Or not a big fat liar, maybe just a big skinny liar. (laughs) Because all of us at some point in time have had to fight that battle. I'll be the first to admit it. There was moments where I felt God calling me to greatness and I felt like I was the worst. There was moments that I felt like God was, was speaking and prophesying to me that I was going to preach you know, to nations and I felt like, like I can't even preach to five people. And, and so we, we have that, that inner battle in our mind of, of who God called and created us to be. And then we have the dueling perspective of how everybody else sees us. And so here was Jeff, The he was a great warrior, but he was the son of the prostitute. So, so why does the enemy like to get into our head, right? Why does he want to, us to see ourselves, not how God sees us, but how everyone else perceives us. Why? Because what you perceive will determine what you can possess. What you perceive will determine what you will possess. And how you perceive yourself will determine what you produce. Our, our, our brain is powerful. That's why Paul says that the key to a transformed life is the renewing of our mind. It's it's our mindset. It's the way that we see. That's why throughout scripture, God is always telling us that we are the head and not the tail, that we are above and not beneath, that we are a chosen generation, that we are royal priesthood, that we are highly favored, that we are highly blessed, that we, we are above and not believe. The, the Bible is constantly reaffirming us and t- trying to get us back to our identity because God knows that what Whatever we perceive will determine what we possess. And how we perceive ourselves will determine what we produce. Look at Numbers 13.33. And let me give you the, the, the context to this passage of Scripture. The, the Israelites have already come out of Israel. Of, of Egypt and they had been wandering in the desert for almost 40 years and they had gone through the leadership of Moses and now they're under the leadership of Joshua and the Bible says that they are this side of the Jordan River and across the Jordan River just a a, a few kilometers away they could see the promised land they could see that that thing that they had been that they had been believing for that they have heard from generation to generation that God was going to take them into a land that flowed with milk and honey and he said that that's your land land. And so Joshua, being the leader that he was, he gathered ten spies and he says, I want you to go scope out the land. I want you to go see so that you can come back and get the people excited about what God has given us. In fact, that's what I did. I was in South Carolina at an amazing leadership conference. Why? God was showing me what's next for Access Church. Surrounded by global generals and global leaders, these amazing men of God. And God is saying, this is where I'm going to take you. So Joshua sends ten spies. thank you to the three of you that believe with me. And you know the story. He sent ten. We sent twelve. Ten came back with the battery port. They said, Oh man, it's great. It's everything. It's everything that we saw on Facebook. It, it, it's just like the pictures on InstaScam. It, it's beautiful. They have Mongols this big in Hikama and Chile and Chamoy. I mean, I mean, can you imagine <laughs> everything, everything that we've heard? Yes, but there's that big butt again, but it's filled with giants. And, and, and look at what it says, and they're they're giving Joshua this report 1333 says, We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak, they come from the Nephilim. The Nephilim was a tribe of giants. That, they, they, are the, they were the ancestors of Goliath. The Nephilim, were, were, they were giants. And, and look at what it says. And we seem like grasshoppers. Where? In our own eyes. Wow. What you perceive will determine what you possess. And how you perceive yourself will determine what you produce. So here they were. They walk into this land, this promised land. They see all of these things, but yet they still see themselves like grasshoppers. And, and then it says, and we look the same to them. So you've got to realize that people will treat you the way you perceive yourself. I, y'all still love me? Yes. So I need to like get the car ready to run after this or go out the back door? <laughs> yes, I do? Okay, thanks. Look at this. See, they did not possess the land because they didn't believe in God. But they couldn't possess the land because they didn't believe in themselves. They didn't believe in what God had promised them. They didn't believe that within them they had the capacity... See, God never said, I'm going to take you to the promised land and it's going to be easy. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. He never said that there was not going to be a battle, that there was not going to be a fight. He said, I'm going to give it to you. And so when they got there, they couldn't help but see themselves, even though they were so far removed, 40 years removed from, from, from a a slave state, they were so far removed, but yet they still had a slave mentality and they walk in the promised land. And it's not that they couldn't possess it because they didn't have the ability, it's Because in their mind they saw themselves like grasshoppers. And because that's how they presented themselves, that's how they they were they were perceived. And so they didn't lose to the giants out there. They lost to the grasshoppers in their head. And see, that's what I imagine God is frustrated because God is talking to you about greatness. God is talking to you about promotion. God is talking to you about going to a new level. God is talking to you about blessing you and blessing your home and blessing your family. But you can't get that butt out of your life. But I don't have a degree. But I don't have an education. But nobody knows me. But I can't have this. But I don't have that. And God said, I don't care what but you do have. All that matters is what I say. That's right. That's right. You just have to believe what I have spoken over your life. So that's why the enemy is always trying to, to disrupt your mindset. Disrupt, disrupt your, 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 your thoughts. See, the enemy will attack you in the area, he'll attack you the most in the area that he's most afraid of. So if you're wondering, what is my purpose? Why, why did God create me? Look at the area that God's attacking you because he will always mostly attack you in that area that he's the most afraid of. See, it was in the garden. Look at this for a moment. It was in the garden of Eden that he infected man, mankind with the spirit of inadequacy. Genesis 126, the Bible says, let us make man in our own image and likeness, right? That's what God said. That's what your Bible says too, right? Or does your Bible say something different? So God says, let us make man in our own image and likeness. Now here comes Satan in the form of a serpent, and what does he do? He comes to Eve and says, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit of this tree because he knows if you eat the fruit of this tree, then you will be like God. See, Satan got them to doubt what God had already given them. God had already said, I made you like me. And God has promised you so many things. He's And see, you got to realize that when God gives you something at some point in your future, because God stands out outside of the context of time, at some point in your future, he's already given it to you. You just got to follow the path and you got to follow the process to get what he already has for you. See, when God speaks to you about a promise, it's because he's already given it to you down the line. He's already given it to you. So the enemy is trying to get you to doubt what God's already given to you. If God already promised you healing, if God already promised you hope, if God already promised you restoration, you've got to realize that it's already yours. And when the enemy tells you it's not going to happen, it's not going to take place. It look, it just, just forget about it. it's a lost cause. You've got to remember that when God said it, God already gave it to you and he will try to get you to doubt what he has already given you. And, and see, there's something about human nature, and, and that's why I call this the dueling perspectives, because our human nature, our, our human psychology is always to live up to other people's expectations. That's just the way we're, we're, we're designed. That's why I tell you that people will treat you the way, the way you, you expect to be treated or, or, or based on their level of expectation. And what happens, we will morph into people's expectations, so when these, uh, when these spies went into the promised land, they knew that those giants would see them as grasshoppers. And what do they do? They made themselves into a grasshopper. So that, that is, that, that is our, our human nature. That's our, and we look the same to them. And so there are so many people that are around us that have a perspective of who we are. But they don't really know who God has called and created us to be. And so most of the time, we morph into that. I remember in eighth grade... I was in a brand-new school. We had just moved from Saginaw, Michigan to Rochelle, Illinois, eighth grade, walk into language arts class and the biggest, ugliest teacher you ever saw in your life. She was like six foot six. She had like three teeth. Mean-looking. And here I am, a brand-new kid in this school, walk into class, she looks at me. And she says, you look like a troublemaker. You better sit in the front row. I was like, what do you think I did? I became a troublemaker. I gave her the trouble she expected of me. Because that's that's our our human nature. is to live up to other people's perspectives and expectations of, of who we are. That, that's the way that, that, that we just, that, that's what we fall into, right? That's what we do. And so if we continue reading the story of Jephthah, look what it says in verse 2. It says, Gilead's wife also had several sons. And when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. And they said, you will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said. Look, look at what does that statement say? It says, you will not get any of our father's inheritance. What are they telling Jephthah? You ain't one of us. Right, they're saying you, you don't belong to this family, you, you're not a part of us. They're, they're they're essentially telling them that Gilead is not his father. He's saying Gilead is our father. But what did God say in verse one? Look at what verse one says. It says Jephthah was the son of who? So do you see this this dichotomy, these dueling perspectives of who the people and his brothers perceived him to be and what God said? And that's what the enemy is always trying to do. He's always trying to get us out of who God called us and what God said that we're going to be. And so they tell Jephthah, you're not one of us. They said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. So what is Jephthah to do? He makes the decision. He gives up his rightful place. Why? Because he chose to believe their perspective than God's perspective. And, and so... when when the enemy is trying to disrupt and and uproot your purpose, one of the strategies that he will use to employ to disrupt, deny, delay, derail, decommission, and disqualify your purpose and your potential is to get you to think that where you are is who you are. He will will get you to think that, that where you are is who you are, and so here, Jephthah is. The Bible says that he's in the land of Tob, that he's far away from his family, that that he's surrounded himself like like with worthless rebels. Like if the Bible calls you worthless, you're probably worthless, right? And and so here he is. He's surrounded by by these other men that that are fugitives, other men that are captives to other other people's perspectives, and all of a sudden he he finds himself out of place he finds himself misplaced he finds himself in a place that he was he was never designed to be and so what the enemy will do is the enemy will often take a snapchat of your current situation your current condition and he will convince you that where you are is who you are think about that for a moment he will take that that snapshot, that Snapchat, and he will take it and he will capture a, a, a moment. He will capture a mistake. He will capture a failure. He will, he will, he will capture, capture you in, in a moment of, of weakness, in a moment of abuse. And, and he will take that Snapchat and he will tell you that where you are is who you are. But, but let me make something really clear. See, most of the time we are where we are because of our own decisions. Jephthah chose to abdicate his place. Jephthah chose to leave. He could have stayed and fought. He could have said, it don't matter what you call me. It doesn't matter what you say about me. You can tell me all day that Gilead is not my daddy, but I got his nose and I got his eyebrows and I got his ears and I even got the mole behind his neck. I, uh, he, I know who my daddy is. But no, he made the decision to listen to what other people said. And he ran away. And see, a lot of times we're blaming the devil, and the devil's like, dude, that's you, boo. That got nothing to do with me. That's all you. The devil, no, it's your own decisions just to found himself with a band of, of of worthless. And and so he made the the decision to leave. And so oftentimes the enemy, he'll find you in in that, that, that worst moment. He'll find you in in that moment of weakness and that mistake. And then he'll take that snapshot in that Snapchat, and he'll begin to try to tell you that your failure, he'll take your mistake, he'll take your tragedy, he'll take your abuse, he'll take your divorce, and he will try and convince you that is who you are. But God sent me here to to tell you that where you are is not who you are. Where you are is not who you are. That's just a moment. But some of us are believing the lie. And, 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 and nothing, there's never been a time that this has been more clear than in the social media generation that we live in. We will look at a Snapchat, an Instascam, a fake book, and a reel that's not very real of people's lives. And we get this idea and this perspective of who they are. But you don't realize that just because they put a beautiful filter, that don't make them pretty. Have you ever seen people in their profile you see them in person? You're like, or is that just me? You're like, man, I need one of those filters all day. Right? Think about it for a moment. The enemy is just waiting for that, that minute, that moment. So that he can convince you that where you are is who you are. And, and, and I thought about that for a moment. Can you imagine Noah in his moment of weakness and drunkenness that God would, that he would have believed that he was a drunk. Can you imagine Joseph finding himself in a pit and then in prison? That he would never be the great leader that he was. Moses a murdering fugitive in the desert. Rahab a prostitute. Gideon a coward in a wine vat. Samson being broken and blind. Elisha after calling fire down from heaven broken and blind. in Hiding out depressed in a cave. Daniel in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. David, an illegitimate son in the pasture and then in a cave and then in Bathsheba's bed. The Samaritan woman at the well, the woman with the issue of blood. Mary Magdalene, the woman caught in adultery. Can you imagine Peter in the middle of his denial of Jesus? James and John as 50 fishermen. Matthew was a despised tax collector. Mark was rejected by Paul and Timothy had no father in his life. Could you imagine for a moment if the enemy would have convinced them that where they were, was who they are. And that's what the enemy's trying to do to neutralize you. He's trying to say that what you're living right now, this is who you are. But God has called me to tell you today that where you are is not who you are. And so, verse four, it says, And about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for who? For Jephthah in the land of Tob, the elders said, come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? So here's Jephthah. He's out with a band of worthless rebels. His families, his brothers, the elders of Gilead are now his brothers. They find themselves in a war and what do they do? They say, I think we need Jephthah. And I can just say, man, you go call him. I'm not going to call him. You go call him. Right? Send him a text message. <laughs> right? And they go and they find Jephthah in the land of Tob. And I, man, I'm totally not Jephthah. Right? Because if people did that to me, I'd be like, oh, no, man, you're on your own, dude. And they come and say, we, we we need you. We're we're in trouble. And, and, and Jephthah says, Well, why do you need me now? And, and verse 8 says, Because we need you. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. See, look at they were trying to give him something that already belonged to him as the firstborn son of Gilead. That was his rightful place. And can you imagine now Jephthah is faced with the decision? Am I going to allow my past, and the pain of my past, and my own decisions, me running away, and and other people's perspectives to keep me from what's rightfully mine, Jephthah had to make a choice. Am I going to continue to allow other people's perspectives to define who I am, or am I going to be willing to fight for who God says I am? Am I going to be willing to, to fight for my purpose? And sometimes you're going to have to fight. It would have been so easy for Jephthah to say, man, how can you give something that already belongs to me? This, this, it was already mine. It was already mine. You, you stole it from me. And he had to make a decision. So I'm here to tell you that sometimes to be who you are, you have to fight to get out of where you are. And it, you're going, at some point, you're going to have to decide... If you're going to allow others to define who you are, and Jephthah had to make a choice. See, in the Hebrew culture, it didn't matter who your, your, your mama was. It was all about who your daddy was. It was who your father was determined, your identity. But do you see what the enemy did? The enemy tried to impose an identity of his mama and not the identity of his daddy. Take me, I'm gonna take you back to Father's Day 2019. Genesis 35, 16, and 18 says, Leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath. But Rachel went into labor while they were still some distance away. Her labor pains were intense. After a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, Do not be afraid, you have another son. And Rachel was about to die. And with her last breath, she named the baby. Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. So in 2019 and Father's Day, I preached on this passage of scripture. And we have this situation where Rachel was giving birth to, to, ben, to this son. And as she was pushing out her son. She she, she took her last breath and, and in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that sorrow, she named her son Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. And, and see, some of us, we're allowing people that have named us and identified in the midst of their pain. See, you're not who, it's not about you. It was about the pain that they were in. You've allowed people to identify you when they were in the midst of their pain. It was in their pain that they couldn't see your Value. It was in their pain and their struggle and you've been walking around with that identifier all your life but it was never about you. It was about the pain and hurt that they were in and because they were in pain and hurt they called you something that you were never created and called to be. Yes. But I love what happened next. She calls him son of my sorrow Benoni and they go to, to Jacob the baby's father And they said, come, you have a son. And he's all excited. And he gets there. And they said, here's your son, Ben-Noni. He said, Ben what? (laughs) At least that's how it said in my mind, okay? He said, Ben what? Uh Uh-uh. He says, he's not Ben-Noni. He is Benjamin, son of my right hand. He said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to allow, I'm your daddy. I get to say who you are. I get to define your identity. I get to define your purpose. Not someone that gave birth to you in pain. Not someone that identified you in the midst of their own pain, in the midst of their own struggle. He said... I'm your daddy. I get to identify you. And he said, you're not Ben-Noni. You are Benjamin, son of my right hand. And if you don't know this, out of all the 12 tribes of Israel, the Benjamites were always known as the most mightiest men. They were the greatest warriors. They were there. Why? Because a daddy that day took a stand and said, I'm not going to allow anybody else to call you something that you're not. I'm your dad. I get to say who you are. And you are not Ben-Noni. You are Benjamin, son of my right hand. That's why I call Micah, Micah Benjamin. Because he's son of my right hand. And the Benjamites were known as the mightiest tribe of all of Israel because a daddy refused to allow someone to identify his son in the midst of their pain. See, some of you are walking around with a false identity because someone that was hurt, And someone that was in pain, that someone didn't know how to value you, someone that didn't know how to nurture you or take care of you, they put a false identifier on you. But let me ask you, who's your daddy now? And what does your daddy call you? He says, you are blessed, you are favored, you are good, you are mighty, you are powerful, you are rich, you are strong. And if you're Malachi, you're famous. But the reality is at some point, you're going to have to fight for your purpose. And he had to make the choice. It could have been been easy for him to say, man, forget y'all. I'm good. I'm good. I lead my own gang. I've got everything I need. But he was faced with that choice Because it was not just about the inheritance. It was about his identity. It was not just about the possession. It was about the perspective. And so Jephthah made the choice. and, And if you continue to read the story, he goes and he fights. And he wins the battle. And he becomes who God intended for him to become. So I'm here to tell you today. Don't allow the enemy to take a Snapchat of your life and say that's who you are because where you are is not who you are. The pain that you're in, the confusion that you're in, the mistake that you're in, the failure that you're in. The enemy is saying you failed as a dad, you failed as a mom, you failed as a husband. You failed as a leader. You failed as a minister. And he's taking that Snapchat and saying, this is who you are. And God sent me all the way from Greenville, South Carolina. To tell you that where you are is not who you are. And so the right question that we ask ourselves in regard to our kingdom identity is not where am I? The right question is, where am I going? It's not where am I, it's, it's where am I going? Where, where is God taking me? See, because God is so provident and God is so sovereign that even though he never meant for the hurt and the pain to be a part of your purpose, he allowed it to be a part of your process. And see, sometimes when we think that, that where we are is who we are is because we've allowed our process to identify us. But your process can identify you, only your purpose can. And so God will take the pain of your process. That's what, that's what Paul means in Romans 8 when he says he will make, work all things together for your purpose. Right? Because God will take the pain of your process. And he will fold it in. But he doesn't want you to be identified by your process. He wants you to be identified by your purpose. And when we get stuck at where am I, when we think that where we are is who we are, then we're no longer being identified by our purpose, we're being identified by our process. So the question isn't where am I going? Where am I? It's where am I going? And so I'm here to tell you that if your place doesn't look like your purpose or your promise, then whatever you're going through is just temporary. See, that's the other thing the enemy will try to do. He will try to convince you that where you are is who you are. And then he'll try to convince you that where you are is all that there is. But if where you are, doesn't look like your purpose or your promise then it's just part of the process and you're not there to stay he's pulling you out he's bringing you out he's bringing you forward so that's the reality check does my place look like my purpose does my place look like my promise does where I am look like who he said I am See, some of you wouldn't be here today, but at some moment and at some point in time, you said, Where I am is not who I am. It's not who you are. There's greater coming for you, Sonia. This is a season of supernatural expansion. Get ready because you took a step of faith we talked about it this week everything looked like I can't do this but you said I'm choosing to believe in faith and I'm going to be obedient and let me tell you God will always honor your obedience at some point in time in Bible college moment of transparency I was a big payaso. That's the Greek word for a clown. I didn't do very much studying. In fact, I never studied. I spent probably 90% of my time on the basketball court. I know it doesn't look like it now. (laughs) But I still graduated second in my class. Can you imagine if I would have studied? (laughs) I was a payaso. Didn't take much serious. I made fun of everybody. If you think I'm bad now, most of y'all would not have liked me then. Even Sandra didn't like me then. But I remember someone that I thought was a friend said that I would never be or do anything in the ministry because I took never took anything serious, and that hurt. That cut deep. like Jephthah had to choose I could allow his perspective to determine what I would possess and what I would become I could have did like I did in 8th grade and said well you're right or I could have went back to being 12 years old at a youth conference in San Antonio, Texas surrounded by thousands of young people and God says I'm going to use you you're going to preach to nations or I could have gone to at the age of 14 in Oklahoma City at another conference where God says you're going to travel the world and preach the gospel. I didn't know he meant Eagle Pass at the time. I was thinking Paris, <laughs> Rome, right? Italy, you know, I was thinking. Then think Eagle Pass. Aren't you grateful that God brought me to Eagle Pass? Matt told me this weekend, Pastor, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes you to San Antonio. I was like, dude, you're trying to get rid of me? I don't want to live in San Antonio. I don't want to live anywhere but right here. Except for maybe, just kidding. Just I'm in mean, Chicago. I love Chicago. But I had to make a choice. To listen to what God told me at 12 and at 14 or listen to what that fool told me at 19 and I could have done what I did in 8th grade and said you're, you're right I don't take I I, don't, I I met many I didn't take anything serious I didn't have a grid for for life decisions, but I remember standing there in that moment when I was told that. I said, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to show you that I am not who you say I am. I'm going to show you that I am who he said I am. Once again, I didn't think it would bring me to go past. But I'm grateful to be wherever God wants me to be. And I've preached all over this nation, all over Mexico. I've had invitations to go other places. And I wonder what that guy thinks when he sees all of your amazing posts of Access Church. Thank you. I had to choose to allow other people's perspective to define what I would possess and what I would be or listen to what God said and I'm your witness I'm, I'm your rainbow I'm, I'm, I'm your testimony that when you choose to listen to what God says God is faithful to do whatever he said he would do in your life it's not over If it doesn't look like your purpose, if it doesn't look like your promise, it means it's not done yet. It's just a part of the process. Will you stand? Man, you feel the presence of God in this place or is it just me? Just close your eyes for a moment. We don't always do this, but I just feel like I need to make an altar call for those that are in the battle of the dueling perspectives, that are having to choose to believe what God says and what others say. What others can be the enemy, it can be your circumstance, it can be your mistake, it can be your failure. Whatever the enemy is using to neutralize, to disrupt, to derail, to delay your purpose. If that is you today, I'm going to ask you to boldly step out of your seat. And I just want to pray with you today. So you know what, from this day forward, by you stepping out, you're saying, I'm no longer going to allow anyone else's perspective to define who I am making a choice to believe who he said that I am. Thank you for joining us and a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.